You're listening to the Oilfoot Basics Discover podcast. Produced in collaboration with Digital Wildcatters, this is the podcast where we learn something new about our incredible industry on every single episode in an endeavor to never stop learning. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of the Oilfoot Basics Discover podcast. I'm your host, Derek Craig, and this is the 45th episode, and I'll be learning right alongside of you here today. Got a pretty interesting topic. We're going to actually be talking about a brand new tool in our industry. It's called the Pipeline Silencer. So we'll be getting into that in just a few minutes. But if, again, if you're new to the show or even returning and just haven't listened to all the shows, please just be conscious of, of a lot of the different topics and stuff that we've covered. Again, this is episode 45, so we've covered a lot of ground. And so I also want to take this this opportunity to, to kind of mention, you know, there's a lot of topics that still have yet to even be touched. And even if, you know, like cementing, for example, we had an episode on cementing, you could have numerous episodes about cementing and stuff. So guys, if you're out there and and you you have a subject that you could contribute to the show, don't be afraid to, to reach out and want to be a guest. There's there's so many untouched topics and even the topics that we have touched, like I've said, like even with cementing, for example, there's so many more things that we could talk about it. And like, like for example, a good example is wireline. We've had at least probably three episodes on wireline and still hardly scratched you know the surface. So there's lots of room for topics. And I've, I've wrote down just a few that I just want to throw out for, for people, <laughs> just the listeners, whether or not you maybe you guys are, are in kind of this portion of the industry that you could maybe even talk about these things, or maybe even you know somebody, but just kind of want to get everybody's brains kind of rolling on, you know, just some of the topics that I've thought of real quick that haven't hardly been touched on this show. And, and obviously on a, a show like this, right, we can, we can do these podcasts for years and still hardly scrape you know, the surface of our industry as vast as it is. But a couple of them that I have wrote down, there's still a lot of optimization that haven't really been touched. And in, in my mind, you know, specifically in, with an engineering background stuff, it goes through, goes to like completions optimization stuff. We haven't really talked much about completions from an engineering perspective. We've talked a little bit about it operationally which is good, of course, and, and about the chemicals and the friction reducers and stuff. We've had episodes on that. But, you know, what about like stage spacing? What about, you know, volume of, of water pumped or sand? You know, I mean, there, there's so many things that that we could talk about interference with other wells. I mean, there's a whole lot of theory and stuff that I think would be good for us all to, to hear and realize kind of what's going on in the minds of, of the engineers designing the, these jobs or, or whatever be the case. Production, we haven't really hit too much on artificial lift. I think I've got a couple of guests that are kind of interested in hitting on this a little bit. So it's just a matter of logistics. But, you know, artificial lift, you know, optimization, there's so many different types of artificial lift. And some of the more unfamiliar ones, at least to me, for sure, like jet pumps, group pumps, and there's all kinds of <laughs> ESPs, you know, things that maybe we don't even see as much of, you know, that would be interesting topics as well as even, you know, the more prominent gas lift, plunger lifts, rod lifts. So we did have a, an episode on, on rod lift, but that's been a little while. And again, you know, barely scraped the surface. So lots of room there. Trucking, as I've previously mentioned, we've got people who have requested topics and I had another guy reach out to me. He's like, oh yeah, that'd be a great topic. Here's more things that you could talk about on that topic. So there's a ton of things that we can hit on with trucking. And don't have anybody that's reached out to me that's willing to do that yet. So please consider that. Also, regulatory compliance. We haven't really had, I think we might hit on a little bit of, of that today, but nothing like the full scope of, of regulatory compliance. And I know that's definitely different state by state, but you know, maybe even there's just some general knowledge points that we could all kind of get on the same page about and know. Also, midstream, another topic I'm trying to work on getting more of. And actually, this one's related to midstream, this episode here today. But you know, I'm actually working with a guest right now trying to, to plan out an episode on Okay, we're going to put in a pipeline, you know, what all is the, <laughs> what are the components of it? What all is necessary? What all contracts do you have to have? Like just overall like life cycle of a pipeline. 
and getting it in the ground and also you know the components of it so but again that would just barely scrape the surface too so you know maybe even there's a, a midstream compressor operator you know or something you know th there's so many things even within midstream same with offshore i've been trying to get someone off talk about an offshore topic for a long time let, let's talk about with offshore you know okay how do the wells differ for one you know cost and just the planning of it and the reservoir target i mean there's so many different things and you start talking about okay what infrastructure do you need how do you tie that all back to you know to shore how is that all produced you know i mean there's so many topics there offshore that have not even not even been scraped so i'm surely some of you guys have offshore in your background i'd love to, to get you on the show to talk about that production wise slick line swabbing still haven't been covered none of that BOPs, there's so many things to talk about there. You can talk about accumulators, how those work. I mean, there's so many things, guys. Valves, all the, <laughs> just getting us familiar with the different valves when we should use what valve, automated valves, different types of valves. I mean, goodness, that one, so many people I'm sure could do that one. International assets. So just getting us familiar with, okay, well, what's uh, what's it like in Oman? We had one and just talked about Polish oil and gas, and that was a pretty interesting episode. But, you know, also just getting us familiar with other operations around the world, even with our own country, you know, what's going on in Alaska? <laughs> you know, what do those operations kind of look like? You know, what are the difficulties? What are those, what do those look like? So guys, there's so many topics and uh, just encourage you to get your brain thinking and whether it's you or whether you have a friend, you know, that that's in that has relations to these topics or even others that you can think of, please get them in touch with me, LinkedIn or contact at oilfieldbasics.com, reach out and together we can keep on learning together. <laughs> so with all that said, that was a longer intro than I expected, but <laughs> like I said, lots of ground still to cover. But with that said, today on the phone, I've got Keegan Blake with me, and he's actually a pipeline operator too <laughs> for extraction oil and gas, a local oil and gas company founded and operated here out of Colorado. And he patented this new tool called the pipeline silencer. So pretty excited to hear about this and formed a company, Adelant Energy, to do it. So without further ado, how are you doing today, Keegan? Good. How are you, Derek? <laughs> pretty good. I'm glad you glad you reached out. We don't get to do tools too often. A lot of times it's kind of more broader topics and stuff. So I really like also whenever we get to dive you know, into a little bit more details and actually cover a specific tool. So I'm really excited about this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I was super grateful to just have the opportunity to come on and talk with you and and just have a chance to use your platform to, to help me kind of get my product out there and, yeah, and kind absolutely. of explain a little bit more about it. Yeah, and I'm excited because this is something that, you know, I've never really seen anything, you know, <laughs> out about it. I don't, as far as I know, you'd probably be the only one doing this. Which is which is kind of crazy too, because it's I mean obviously this is something that is incredibly prevalent, like every every blowdown right across the industry. <laughs> so right, I don't want to get yep. too ahead of the, of us with the topic and letting you explain what all what all it does and what all we're talking about here. But I guess you want to kind of give us a little bit about the, your background and, and maybe kind of you know what it is in a nutshell, and then how you kind of came up with it, and then we can start diving into some of the meat here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. So I'll just start off with my, my background and my experience. I've been in the industry, in the just oil and gas industry in general, for close to seven years now. Started in pipeline operations, and I branched around into building facilities and, and eventually got back into pipeline ops. One of the things that occurs as an operator when you're operating pipelines is you run pigs. And in order to run a pig, you have to depressurize a vessel. And when you depressurize this vessel, it causes a super loud noise, like oh, yeah. so loud that, you know, it can cause you to go deaf, really. Like it can, depending on pressure, it can blow your eardrums out. I mean, it's, wow, yeah. you know, so that's just been a recurring problem that, that, you know, I had, I had seen throughout my career in the industry. And it's a funny story. I was actually, how, how it came about is I was actually operating a pipeline in Greeley, Colorado, and <laughs> 
<laughs> trying to, to receive a pig or trying to get a pig out of the line. And I, I started blowing down the barrel or the, the vessel. And, you know, as, as the pressure got lower, I put my hand over the valve and I cupped my hand over the valve. And I noticed that, like, you know, it, it deflected the sound away. And it was kind of like right then was the the light bulb moment, you know, like ding, uh, yeah, like there, sure. there's something, there's got to be something that that I could use instead of my hand doing this, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I I texted my wife that literally right right after that I texted her and I said, hey, I just had this idea, like you should start looking up like all the science behind like noise and like muffling sound and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and put your wife on the okay, case, yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I said, okay, whatever. And and it's funny, the name of the device is the pipeline silencer because the initial design and concept in my brain was like a gun silencer, like something you put on the end of a gun that, you know, muffles it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it started out, that's how the design started out was with, you know, a gun basically modeled off of a gun silencer with baffles and everything. So I that was the starting point. And then I realized pretty quickly I wasn't going to be able to do this by myself. So I actually paid a, I should say, I sponsored a university to. Oh, really? Yeah. To That's do a their, very their, good way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot cheaper way to do it yeah. for sure. <laughs> to do their, their senior engineering capstone project. So I had, you know, this, this class full of senior engineers all putting their minds together to try and figure out how I can reduce, you know, a constant flow of pressure. Yeah. So they actually were able to produce me my very first prototype <laughs> and actually a functional prototype, I can say, not 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 to the extent I needed, but, you know, yeah. as it progressed and I kept testing it, I had something to start with, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and so I, I built off of that and, and as it went, went on and on, the design got simpler and simpler and smaller <laughs> and smaller and kind of to, to what it is now. And I should make a, just a side note, silencers do exist in the industry, but they are like industrial size. You know, a lot oh, of them wow. you have to bring a crane in. Oh my. To, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to even set them and install them. So kind of the, the big difference from my device is it's handheld. It's about a foot long and it's, you know, about 10 pounds. An operator can carry it around, throw it on where he needs it and use it. Yeah, so is, is this design kind of meant to be portable where it stays with the operator or where it actually is installed on every single like blowdown or or what yep so so initially when i started this venture the name of the device was the portable pipeline silencer really emphasizing portable <laughs> PPS. because you know <laughs> right right yeah. and then as i as i learned more about compliance and really like engine what an engineering control is i realized well really the value would be to to make it you know, engineer it into mm-hmm. a design. Yeah. And so take take the human variable out of it to where they can't not use it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was initially designed to be portable and it still is, but we also have now created a flanged unit that can be flanged in place. Okay. So meant yeah. meant for, you know, permanent installation. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. No, very cool background. Now with the, <laughs> so do you have to pay all those college students like college, <laughs> all the, their tuition now or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Thankfully, that's that's a good thing. It was a one-time sponsor payment. Yeah, that's pretty yep. Cool. It was just gave them the idea to 
to build something. Yeah, for sure. And then they can they can see how that going later on be used in in real world, and they can say they had a hand in it. So pretty yep. cool. Back, what kind of out of my curiosity, what kind of engineers were that? You know, like was it mechanical? It was mechanical. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that mechanical makes engineers, <laughs> and then it was yeah, it was a group of five or six, and there was maybe three or four different projects presented to the class, and then the ones that wanted to, you know, that had an interest in, you know, my type of application and, yeah. and product, they could choose which, you know, which one to work on. So yeah, I at least had people, you know, students interested in it working on it. Gotcha. <laughs> no, very, very, very cool invention for sure. But then what? So what you kind of got the once you got it designed, how to kind of go from there? So obviously, it's, it's patented right now, right? So I saw that somewhere yep. that it's patented. So yep. what's kind of the I can, process of that? Yeah, so the patent process is a long and horrible and <laughs> not a fun one. <laughs> yeah, you hire a college student for that too, or <laughs> yeah, a lawyer in school? Yeah, I wish I could have. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it is patented though. Just some other kind of, you know, specs on the device or, or endorsements is, I've received a patent. It's also been, you know, received an en- an engineering stamp. Mm-hmm. So the the device has been, you know, stamped as integratable and sound. Okay. So that takes away a lot of concern people might have, like, well, you know, did this guy just think of it and he's just throwing out these things that could blow up? It's like, yeah. no, yeah, you know, it's we've re- we've done the calculations. We've ensured the the integrity of the device. A lot of the material we use is is X heavy one schedule one sixty. Another endorsement that I kind of, not a lot of people know, but is kind of cool. So the the past Wyoming Oil and Gas Commissioner, the recently retired Commissioner Tom Fitzsimmons, actually has given me an endorsement for the device as well. Oh, awesome. And just says that, you know, his job as commissioner, and he, it was given to me when he was commissioner and now he just retired. But he basically said, as commissioner, you know, I have a duty to regulate in a responsible manner, both for the environment and public. And just that, you know, I feel this device helps promote the well-being of that and, and yeah. helps promote that mission. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. See, just, I guess, kind of to explain what the device is, just because I know we're on the phone, people are probably like, I can't imagine what people would think, you know, what it looks like. Yeah. But, <laughs> But the device, is it's a two-inch cylindrical device that is about a foot long and just is installed either in a threaded application or a flanged application. It comes with the one-inch thread as well as a, and then a two-inch flange. Those are, I don't go any sizes higher. Like I said, it's geared towards smaller, isolated sections of, of piping. The cool thing is, is because it's portable, you can throw three or four of them on one, on one vessel. And you know, utilize three or four of them at the same time, gotcha. and then yeah, move, so them, you move them where you need. Out. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Typical applications for it would be like launchers and receivers for pigs, meter tubes, separators, compressor lines, other small isolated sections of pipe. It's not. Yeah. It's not designed for like to blow down a twenty-four inch gas line for miles. <laughs> gotcha. You might need the one with the crane with that one, maybe, huh? <laughs> yep. Yep. You yeah. may. <laughs> but no, that that's pretty cool though, that it has it has application even into you know the the upstream production, like you said, the separators and stuff. I mean that stuff, you know, like those get blown down relatively well. Not one individually gets blown down, you know, relatively often, but you know, field wide. I mean, they they get blown down pretty often for maintenance or whatever be the case. And and as you're talking about pig launchers and, and catchers, definitely 
way more often, <laughs> right? So yep. definitely yep, a, a lot of applications there. And and I guess like, I'm, I'm hoping that most of the <laughs> listeners are, are following along with what we're talking about, like with, with pigging and stuff. But like I said, we haven't really done too much midstream wise, but pigging, you know, like you just have a pipeline underground for miles and miles and miles. You're going to get liquid that drops out for various reasons. And that's a topic in and of itself. But anyway, so you send out these th- pigs through it and then you have a sender and a receiver and those are the above ground risers that you see by roads or whatever. And those, that's where you have to blow them down to put that pig in or take it out. So that's my quick little <laughs> snippet. And I'll leave the rest to you to explain everything. But <laughs> I just want to make sure everybody's kind of on the, the same page with that because people come with all kinds of backgrounds listening to listening to this show. But I guess kind of one thing I think we definitely need to hit on a little bit is, is we've kind of grazed over a little bit is, is, the, is the problem. And I think you had, you had a couple problems, main problems outlined here. And I, I think definitely need to do it justice here and kind of, you know, more about, you know, why we did, why you did this. Yep. So the main problem, you know, I really want my message to be this problem that, that is solved is when, when operators are being, you know, put into situations where they got to blow down these, these vessels, they're, they're literally a foot away from this, this noise source and exposure to that type of, of decibel level is causing operators to go deaf. And, I've actually got some a bunch of data and studies that we can we can get into later, but it's being proven that operators in the oil and gas industry are losing their hearing, and that's the number one problem that that is occurring in the field. Aside from that, uh, when an that. operator <laughs> does, yeah, when an operator does blow down, he usually pinches the valve halfway just to kind of choke the flow. What that is doing as the the flow is releasing the atmosphere. It's, it's causing erosional velocity on the body of the valve and eventually wearing out the body. And, and so that valve at some point in its life will be replaced. And then along with, you know, public noise complaints and other negative environmental effects caused by noise, like, you know, on animals and livestock, basically my, my device is, is geared to, to fix all of that. The silencer, it reduces noise by 30 to 50 decibels depending on the pressure. It protects operators from going deaf. It, so it saves their hearing and, and really just improves, or I should say guards their quality of life. And then also, you know, it, by using the device, you, operators will reduce noise complaints they have, especially in populated areas. I operate a lot in, you know, what is urban Colorado and just super heavily populated areas where you know, public citizens are, are a factor. Right. And the bad part about that too, is not only like, do they hear it? Right. But as soon as they, they can find it, nowhere to look. Right. Then they, then they see oh, it's yeah. just blowing a bunch of gas to atmosphere. And that, that's the, that's the thing that they really want to see. So it's yep. bad for, in many ways. <laughs> What's the a little bit about decibel levels and stuff. You said how much it reduces it by, I know this would depend on on pressure and size of valve and everything like that. But you know, what's the as is currently now kind of decibel level that we're exposed to? You know, if we're right, you know, if we're blowing it down, is there any range? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So an operator when he blows down gas without the device, let's just say for sake of the example, a one inch or two inch valve, which is typical, at uh, three, you know, two hundred or three hundred pounds of pressure. Which is still low and many people have higher even. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. And in that scenario, an operator is exposed to about 133 to 35 decibels, which is equivalent to a jet engine. <laughs> what's the, what's so, the damaging? Is it 90? 
I don't remember what point it becomes damaging to humans. So OSHA, and again, we'll get into all this. I'll, I'll break it down. <laughs> but OSHA has a set of allowable noise exposure time. At 90, you're given eight hours of decibels. At 100 decibels, you're given two hours to work in the, or to be exposed to it. At 110 decibels, you're only allowed to be exposed for a half hour before you start going deaf. So with my device, I can actually give an operator a full day, a full day's worth of working or literally blowing down for a full day worth without needing earplugs or other ear protection. Wow, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what my device does as far as solving the current problems, along with, you know, I mentioned when an operator cracks the valve halfway and washes the body out with my device, because it has installed inside it's called a core suppressor it has something inside of it that can actually take the brunt of that flow instead of the valve so you you know operators will literally pay for the valve by installing the device by you know because if they don't if they weren't to install the device eventually the valve's going to wash out and they'll need to replace it in in the future anyway oh gotcha so is that pretty common what you've seen that had to replace those valves Oh yeah, big time. And that's okay. honestly one of the one of the biggest highlights for operators when they hear that is, you know, at some point I'm gonna have to replace this valve because I'm washing it out by blowing down through it. So basically makes the de the silencer device pay for itself. Yeah. Yeah, so. that definitely makes it even more convincing. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you can save them money. <laughs> so, yep, exactly. And I'll, you know, unfortunately it's a business, you know, it's a business world and, and a lot of people you know understand the money side of it too so yeah for sure and because sometimes like not to i don't know how to phrase this but like <laughs> something sometimes you know it's hard to quantify you know like human effects or whatever like if, if something's you know <laughs> how much of a problem actually something is until you know something you know until somebody actually has to go to a doctor for it or something like that but if you can even come at it with this angle too then it makes it even way easier but we should be doing it just for our people to begin with but Yep, exactly. <laughs> kind of depends on the company, I guess. <laughs> but yep, exactly. A couple, couple of questions I have just on the product itself. First off, like the blowdown times and, and does, does it affect, I mean, yeah. So I'm trying to, in my mind, you know, does it affect the the blowdown times of that that part of, of the, the segment of pipe or whatever the vessel that you're blowing down? Does it make it longer, shorter, about the same or do you know? Yeah, that's that's actually also a reason that I brought up operators cracking the valve halfway. Mm -hmm. and choking the blowdown. So by the time an operator is choking it halfway with the valve, it's pretty pretty similar time of blowdown. Oh, okay. Honestly, it may slightly increase the time, but not not substantial at all. Gotcha. I guess that would be very operator dependent. <laughs> Cuz you'd have right. to know that some people that would just, you know, go halfway, maybe that one ballsy guy that you know goes all the way. That's kind of risky <laughs> for a variety right. of reasons, but and then, you know, that'd be me. Like, I'd be like, you know, like a fourth and then <laughs> you know, up it just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But <laughs> yep. yeah. Yep. So when you take that into account, it's actually pretty much equal the time. Gotcha. Uh, kind of to quantify it, I guess, if, if you understand how big a 12 inch pig barrel is, it takes about two and a half to three minutes to blow it down. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. And then the other thing I had, you mentioned like the internal I think it was baffling or not baffling. I forget what you right. What did you say? It's something internal. It's a that, core suppressor. Yeah, mm -hmm. there we go. The core suppressor. <laughs> Couldn't think of that. I wasn't even close. <laughs> Do you know with with this device and stuff? You know, if you've got liquid in the line or whatever, 
you know, do you, or whatever it is, do you have issues with it potentially plugging off or something that has to be cleaned or taken apart? And if so, I assume it's easy to, to do or, or what's kind of the, the status on that? Yep. Yep. So that is a great question, actually. So the core suppressor is the the component that goes inside of the device. And so it's actually taking the brunt of the flow and actually suppressing the sound. Over time, this will wear because the material is, is going to degrade over time. That was the intent of the design with the removable cap on top. Okay. So the cap can be removed and the, the core suppressor can be pulled out, inspected. If it needs replaced, then the core suppressor can be replaced. Gotcha. Gotcha. As it wears out. Gotcha. So yep. independently of the entire device and everything. Yep. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Do you know that's a pretty neat design? <laughs> There's so many applications for us. I'm even thinking like, you know, lubricators and stuff on, on plunger lift wells. I mean, obviously that's in, in the DJ and in Colorado, that's the majority of the wells and even just yep. blowing down those things. And you have so many wells right by the highway and there's lots yep. of concerns or issues over that. And I mean, if you make something that attaches to a needle valve, then you can even get into work over operation. I mean, you can get into all kinds of things. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. I was going to just touch on you. You talked about if it were to get plugged inside, right? Yeah. So plug, you know, the material getting plugged isn't too much of a factor. What might be a factor would be the material freezing. So like, oh, okay. During, yeah, so like during winter inside. operations. Yeah. Like really just water. If there's water coming down the gas line and it somehow gets saturated through the blowdown and then it freezes, you'll notice on the device it has a needle valve coming off to the side. So that needle valve is a pressure verification valve. So in the operator's manual for the device, every time an operator is done blowing down using the silencer, he opens that needle valve to ensure with the needle valve that sits below the suppressor to ensure that the vessel is actually depressurized to avoid, you know, thinking that it's depressurized and it's actually, you know. Uh, Yeah, you plugged up. Yep. So that's just a safety measure that was designed into it to just ensure that that we're making sure that the vessel's actually depressurized. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And like what you were saying, like I, it just kind of clicked in my mind that what you truly meant by that, like not, not only like, you know, plugging from something being in, in with the gas, but like the liquid like with the Jules Thompson effect of, of the, the gas losing its, its temperature. So I assume that's yep. what you were meaning, yep. but it took a second to click with me <laughs> with that too. Like, does it also allow, like, if, if you do get, like, if you, if you do freeze off or something like that, where you can kind of keep it open and, and heat it up or something and through whatever means yeah, is, so, is common in your company and you kind of drain out the yeah. liquid out back out or what? So actually it's not, the JT effect is not the concern. It's not, you know, the cause of freezing up caused by flowing of gas or the, you know, the pressure changes. It's okay. what it is, is the material that is the, the core suppressor is made up of is a felt and a foam material. Oh, okay. which can be saturated. So if it gets saturated with water and then, you know, sits overnight and it freezes, that could become a solid. Oh, okay. Not a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I didn't want people to think that the, the device is going to freeze up on them just, you know, every time. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So <laughs> that would only be, you know, an issue in wintertime operations. And even then it's usually not, but it's just, it's an added measure that, you know, we wanted to put in to, just to protect us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so below the device, it did, so you said it's threaded or flanged in, right? So onto, let's say the launcher or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
is there a ball valve or some type of valve right below that? Or is that valve actually integrated into the silencer itself? No, that is a good question. So the silencer is installed onto the valve coming off the vessel. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So that would make it way easier to swap out or whatever. Oh, yeah. Do any type of maintenance on. Yeah. Inspection, whatever you need to do. (laughs) Gotcha. Yep. I didn't know. Yeah. Sounds good. I didn't know if it was in the... In, in the body of it or if it was relying on a, a valve blood, but it sounds, it sounds good. <laughs> yep. So the flange, the flange device, the two inch flange, it, it bolts down onto a, an, another two inch flanged valve. And then the one inch silencer is a one inch threaded port. And part of the SOP in, in of the device is to install the silencer directly to the valve because with a threaded connection, we can't have operators installing them on stacks because you give yourself, you create, you start creating a potential for a bending moment, right? Oh, gotcha. Because my device is directional, it's only exporting out one side, it could potentially create a bending moment. So the device is installed directly to the valve and it's not installed on the stack. Gotcha. Okay. That was that was my next question was, was how it was dissipating it, if it was just one side or kind of, you know, out. And the whole perimeter of the top or whatever. Yeah, that actually kind of segues into the safety, the safety part of it. So, the reason it's directional is if you notice the there's a union on the bottom of the device that is actually welded and connected to the silencer. So that union is never going to be is never not going to be part of the silencer. And what the union does is when you loosen it, it allows the top half of the silencer to rotate. Oh, okay. So an operator can go on site and and actually adjust his his blowdown direction to site specific hazards or uh, okay you know so even wind direction which always changes yep. here every minute yep yep okay he can That's point great. it downwind if there's you know potential ignition sources or people working on a site he can point it away from them if there's a neighborhood or a house close yeah or livestock or animals he can point the not only the gas, but the noise away from those beings or or, yeah. or people. Yeah. Also, if there is another reason for the device being directional and only exporting out one side, is hazardous the the possibility of hazardous gas or or hazardous chemicals in the line. Hmm. It's like H two S. Oh yeah. You know, as far as chemicals, you know. There's so many chemicals that could be put into the line, methanol, benzene, you know. Got to be careful saying that word around here. <laughs> yeah, yep. Benzene. <laughs> Scavenger, any any type of corrosion preventative chemical or any type of, you know, treatment chemical mm-hmm. could potentially come out of the device or even just out of the valve you're blowing down out of. Yeah. And instead of, you know, covering yourself in condensate or or chemicals by blowing down out of the valve, the device yeah, straight is up into the air away from yep. you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's the crazy part about these things too, is like most, <laughs> most of the blowdowns on specifically on, on, on midstream is literally straight up into the air. <laughs> so there's no, yeah. what are you going to do? Crawl underneath the pipeline? Like, <laughs> yeah, doesn't quite you, make sense. Yeah. You talk to, to any experienced pipeline operator and ask him if he's ever been covered in condensate. Oh yeah. From, from blowing down gas and, I guarantee you every one of them will say they have because it's just, you know, it's unfortunately it's it's something that happens when we have to blow down straight up into the air. Yeah, yeah. 
So tack that on as another reason to use the tool. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guard from liquid. Yeah. Yep. Typically condensate, but really any other chemical that could be in there, you know, and I, you know, I have, I have a kid and, and dogs, you know, once I cover myself and condensate, then I got to go track that stuff into my house. Yeah. You know, yeah. my dogs come up and start licking me or my, you know, I'd start playing with my kid right as I get home. And it's just, you know, we want to eliminate, you know, being covered in chemicals or not even chemicals, but condensate like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So just to continue on the safety side, I have, you know, a lot of times when I do a presentation, I, I pose a question and and I'll I'll ask you, Derek, just for the sake of it. There's no there's no right answer. It's just a question that <laughs> is is to make us think. In your experience and your opinion, would you say is is communication more important than personal protective equipment or like PPE? Oh goodness sakes! <laughs> I mean, I, I think I, I guess maybe where this is going is if you communicate, you know, you might not even. I mean, still you still need you know obviously need to have the the PPE, but you, you might not have to. It might not have to be an effect as much, you know what I mean? Like you might not be getting right. sprayed by it or whatever. You just communicate things ahead of time. You might solve the right. issue that you'd be trying to protect against. Is that is that the right-ish answer? It is. A, it is the right <laughs> answer. Like I said, there's there's no wrong answer to it. It's, <laughs> it's just a question to to make us think about because operators are are being put in those situations where they have to make that decision every day. They have to decide: is it more important for me to communicate and tell? my coworker that he needs to shut off the blowdown uh-huh. or or is it more important for him to remove his earplugs to to understand that communication oh gotcha there you go that's how yep. okay. i was wondering how these yep. connected specifically <laughs> <laughs> yep so actually there have been you know it's really it's really surprising that the oil and gas industry is is one of like three i think that aren't required to perform audiometric testing oh really per osha but they have started doing studies in Canada on noise because I've looked everywhere. You know, I I live off of these, you know, noise studies. And, you yeah. know, that's, I've looked everywhere for, for any type of industry-specific noise study. And there's a, a group called WorkSafe British Columbia that actually performed a study in 2014. So pretty recently, workers exposed to noise in the oil and gas sector. Mm-hmm. Those findings found that... 33% of the workers showed signs of noise-induced hearing loss. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty uh, pretty crazy. And what's even crazier is it's more than double that than any other industry. So 33% is more than double than any other industry. I think it would really depend on what you're working around too. But there's definitely a lot of instances where we have to blow things down or even just working with loud equipment. Yep. Yep, exactly. And Another study they found was that 17% of the 35 and under group, like age group, say they don't even use protection, hearing protection. And then almost 30% of kids that are 21 and under group are, are admitting that they don't even use ear protection. And I've been guilty of it too. I, I think every operator oh, yeah. in the field we all have. at some point just doesn't think that he needs it or forgets or, yeah, you know, we're human. We make, you know, we make bad choices sometimes. So what this study in the end encouraged employers to do, and I'll just read it, quote, I'll quote it. It says the data indicates 
that employers should consider, number one, identify potential engineering controls to mitigate the risk. And that's what the pipeline science yeah, is. It's an engineering example. control to, you know, engineer out and mitigate noise noise exposure. So that's uh that's kind of the safety side of the device, just protecting an operator's hearing more than anything, keeping them from going deaf and yeah. You know, when he's in the save industry it, for 20, 30 for years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I want to be able to hear, you know, I want to be able to hear my, my child's wedding vows and like all these important, cool things in life that I'll experience down the road, you know, in, in a few years, I want to be able to hear that. Yeah, for sure. Cool. For sure. Definitely something to protect. And I think a lot of times, like you kind of hit on to it, just, it just becomes the logistics of it, you know, just well, what are our options, you know, for, for hearing protection? You know, you can't really do the over the ears very easily unless you have one that goes on your hard hat, right? So that, that's kind right. of harder. You know, if it don't go over the ear, then, you know, you're inserting something into your ear, which is obviously either, either uncomfortable, doesn't fit right, or, you know, various other reasons. <laughs> and right. it's just, it just, you know, less convincing to, to put them in if you can just, you know, stand further away or, or think that you can control your exposure to it, which maybe right. we're good at, maybe we're not, but... Definitely whenever, yeah. whenever you look at, you know, ways to make things safer, you know, what, what usually it's a top one or something that's engineered out. So definitely one mark yep. for your pipeline silencer. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause all those things you mentioned were all, those are all personal protective equipment. Right. Yeah. And really that kind of segues us into, I'm just going to hop over to the compliance side. We can touch back on the environmental, but OSHA has actually established a hierarchy of controls for noise. And per OSHA, we're encouraged to prevent or contain the escape of the hazardous workplace agent or noise at its source using engineering controls. Mm -hmm. And then we rely on it by, you know, trying to administrative controls, trying to schedule people to not be exposed. And then lastly is when we should rely on PPE, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of OSHA's take on it as far as noise exposure. Just uh Touching back per OSHA, the device can give an operator up to about eight hours of continuous blowdown time. Gotcha. So the device literally eliminates the need for even using earplugs. Although we do still encourage operators to wear them just because noise exposure, tanny level is still noise exposure. Yeah. Driving on the car and your kids are arguing, pop them in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I should build a silencer for kids. Or right. something. Yeah. Some, Never know what decibel level that's going to hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else on compliance or? Yeah. So not only, so that's, that's kind of at the federal level, just OSHA, you know, OSHA NIOSH. The COGCC also has its own regulations for noise. Yeah, so Colorado. So Yep, Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. Yep. They have, it's, it's Rule 802, and it's called the Noise Abatement Rule. It actually establishes levels of permittable noise. The levels, these, like, these noise levels are taken at 350 feet away from the noise source. The oil and gas noise levels are classified as industrial and are allowed 80 decibels during the day and 75 at night. So I don't think a lot of operators realize that when they're blowing down, they're actually in violation of of the noise abatement rule. 
And I also don't think that anybody has cared enough to this point to make a deal about it. But it is a it is a standard that is that exists that you know in Colorado. I think everyone knows where the you know where they've tried taking regulation mm-hmm. at the state level, yeah. and it's just some of it's ridiculous and some of it's understandable. But yeah, in 2017, noise was the number one state filed complaint for the oil and gas industry was was due to noise. Yeah. I believe so. It is, I think, in the forefront of you know receiving regulation at some point, in, or I should say, more regulation at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. To be ahead of it instead of scrambling to to deal with it later. Right, and it's that's not that's not why an energy company or a midstream company is gonna you know is gonna invest in in this technology. I mean, they they want to do the prudent thing. They want to you know they want to have that advantage over their over their competitors you know if i if i'm an operator looking for a job you know i'm going to want to go to the to the company that has proven that they're investing in protecting my hearing and and actually cares about my health yeah you know what i mean like yeah there's sure. a lot of other reasons besides compliance and and being you know state compliant that operators are going to want to use this technology which is why i always pitch compliance as honestly the least important to me and just to you know that's not what i want my message to be i don't want to say here's why you have to use it because you know the state says you have to you know what i mean ethically want to use it yeah right i want to say this is like the actual benefits of the device not just you know here's what the rules say yeah along with other i guess the compliance side just reading like a, a typical standard operating manual for for an oil and gas company venting gas to atmosphere is referenced over 150 times wow so it's just that just kind of goes to show that it's a it's a very common procedure that occurs you know in our operation Mm -hmm. yeah for sure definitely helps give the scope of of you know what all this could this could change and, and make safer and better for everyone yep and I guess one of the exciting news you, you mentioned to me at the, at the b- before we started recording was that your company Extraction is picking these up, right? You want to start implementing these? Yeah, Extraction is investing in this technology and is implementing them in you know their their new system that's been developed and in their new pipeline system down in, in Broomfield, yeah. super populated, absolutely, <laughs> very very populated. Yeah, and kind of a mixed bag of you know anti and pro oil and mm-hmm. gas citizens oh yeah some speak louder than others <laughs> right yeah, yeah yep so once again you know extraction is is proving why they are leaders in in the of being environmental stewards you know i couldn't ask for a better company to work for honestly they just blow me away with with all of the different and that's just one of the technologies they've started investing in they've been using the the quiet fleet drilling rig for you know, years now, and just they, they are constantly looking to, to find ways to bridge that gap, you know, between the people that don't want us there and, you know, the people that understand the benefits of us being there. Yeah. And this is something too. It's like, you know, whatever you're talking about, you know, a place like Broomfield or whatever, I mean, you've got so many eyes and stuff, but even then, like, and people come out with what we would think is, is just crazy opinions of, of oil and gas and which aren't very representative, but, you know, look at some of the stuff that they see 
right? And how are they going to interpret that? You know, if they're driving by and they see this kind of a thing going on where someone, you know, blowing down a pipeline, then they see it a couple of days, you know, not just once ever, right? And then you see other things. And I mean, we, we put things in front of people that, you know, they don't know what they're doing or what we're doing. I mean, but, you know, they, they see this, they hear it and, you know, they might, you know, I, I could see where some people form these opinions about us. And I think right. we just need to be more conscious about it as an industry. And I think this right. is a, a great, great way to influence that as well. And, and, and for the better. And also obviously for the other reasons that, that you've mentioned here today as well. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I think, I think people in, in, Honestly, a lot of people are just probably scared when they hear something new or when yeah. they hear gas blowing down. It's yeah, they, you know, they probably have no idea. So they're probably who who knows? They what probably they think it's a gas of. leak. Yeah, yeah, yep. And just with events that have happened in Colorado and just you know things that have happened in the industry, you know, a lot of people could could just not know and be scared. And so the device kind of gives you know operators more of a stealth mode to operate, you know, quieter and just be less of even, you know, let, let people not even know they're there, mm -hmm. I should say. Yeah, for sure. This might even be a thing down the road that we might not be able to blow down and stuff as much as, as we do now. I mean, cause if, if, if you think about it, I mean, it is, there, there's no benefit environmentally or anything for it, but it's just, it's just a solution right now that doesn't have any other engineered option but that right. who knows 20 years from now might have, might be changed, might change, but you know, currently with where we're at and everything, I mean, this is a, a great way to <laughs> mitigate, you know, stuff that we have to do to maintain yep. operations. So, yep. but yeah, exactly. anything else that you want to definitely hit on on this or anything that we that we skipped or anything? Just a few points. I, I didn't really talk on the kind of the effect of on animals. Oh, yeah. And, you know, kind of the environmental side. I know environmental always kind of gets brushed off to the side for whatever reason, but it is a factor, you know, any animals around blowdown points are also being exposed to noise, not just humans. Noise has so many studies being linked to, you know, reproductive problems and migratory changes and and all these different things that could occur, not to not even to mention, you know, livestock on landowners. Yeah. Or for landowners, you know, cattle and, and other things. Yeah. So just wanted to throw that in there. There's also the environmental side to take into note when protecting, you know, species, human and animals from noise. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And some of these things, I mean, I guess it depends on the listener and stuff, but sometimes in oil and gas, we're so quick to just dismiss things. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, those animals will be fine. Well, yeah, probably. But, you know, we might, there's still, you know, there's still effects, you know, that we might think of, not think of as significant. But right. if you're doing this every day, you know, I mean, let's not be quick to rule out rule out things because that also makes us harder to you know negotiate with right if we're if we're like trying to do something you know like with colorado perfect example right trying to you know have some middle ground between you know what we what people want to impose on us regulatory wise and, and, and what we do every day you know and just, just having some middle ground to just realize where each side's coming from so definitely valid points yeah that's that's you pretty much just summed up what what i want my message when people hear you know, the pipeline silence or they hear add-on energy and I want them to hear bridging the gap between, gotcha. you know, yeah, between oil and gas industry and the community. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was, I was actually pretty, before you reached out to me, it was actually pretty ironic. There was a couple of days before you reached out to me that I saw your post about this on um, Energy Strong Colorado, uh, which is a Facebook group. And 
for those who don't know, <laughs> but who don't live in Colorado and have to deal with this. And I thought that was, oh, that's, that was a great product. And I'm really glad that you reached out and that we had this podcast about it because it was definitely pretty cool to learn about. And hopefully everybody kind of got something out of the episode, whether it's just greater awareness of, of you know, this part of the industry, you know, things that we have to, that, that midstream has to deal with every day and even, even beyond midstream. But, or if, or if you're in some kind of a, a way that you, you know, plan out midstream or an engineer for midstream or something now that now, you know, this product's available. So <laughs> hopefully it's beneficial to all of our listeners. And I guess if anybody wants more information on the pipeline silencer, how do you want them to go about getting a hold of you or do you have a website or, or what? Yeah. Yep. Feel free to go to my website if you want some more information on it. And that kind of outlines everything we talked about today. It's adelantenergyservices.com. Or you can also email us at office at adelantenergy.com. Either one of those will work. Gotcha. And Adelant is spelled A-D-E-L-A-N-T. Yep, A-D-E-L-A-N-T. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible at spelling, so I, I would have had to go to Google for that one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess we should all sit there on too that. And I, I, we can, of course, post that in the description of, of this episode if, if people want to mm-hmm. click on the links and stuff there. But also, you know, you, you guys can see brochures and pictures of, of the device actually on there. So we should have preferenced that at the beginning of the episode, but uh, you guys can see pictures of it on that on that website. So, And that's actually what I've been looking at it through the whole episode. So it's helped me out a little bit. <laughs> so oh, okay, good. <laughs> had an unfair advantage over all my listeners, I guess. But <laughs> now that it's over, you guys can go look at it and, and put all the pieces together in your mind. So, <laughs> but Keegan, thanks so much for for reaching out and for for being on this episode and, and adding to the conversation here today. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Derek. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, we'll have to keep in touch. Let me know how how the rollout continues to go and and, and keep keep in touch. But okay. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Like I said, hope you found it beneficial. And if you're interested in, in being on the episode as a guest, please reach out. You know, I mentioned a ton of different topics and stuff at the beginning of the episode. Let that sit on your mind a little bit. Hopefully it convinces you or, or you know, convinces you to, to either do it or, or get someone else to <laughs> that you know has knowledge on that topic. But thanks guys so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Oilfield Basics Discover podcast. We hope you found this episode to be valuable and we look forward to learning more together in our next episode. Be sure to follow us on our social media and visit oilfieldbasics.com for more great educational content, including videos, courses, and more. Also, be sure to check out our partners, Digital Wildcatters, for even more great content, including podcasts and video blogs on their own social media and on their own website, digitalwildcatters.com. If you're interested in supporting the show or in being a guest, please reach out to myself, Derek Craig, through LinkedIn or by emailing contact at oilfoodbasics.com. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care.